what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Sports. It's your host, Nick, and I got Dom and David on with me. It's the OG3 here, so we're going to go ahead and do an episode. Let's go ahead and get right into these topics. So we, I don't think we've really talked about it much on the podcast at all, but I, the the whole Brittany Griner thing, like, what's your guys' thoughts on that? Like, her still being over there, and I think her appeal got denied. So she's, like, actually serving nine years if we don't if no if no trade is made um like what do you guys think about this whole situation I guess from start until now and and what's your opinion on everything I mean I feel bad for her I think the reason why she's locked up is kind of stupid but you also have to kind of know the laws of the country that you're traveling in you know just because something is legal or you know medical in the U.S. doesn't mean it's legal in the country that you're traveling to so I feel bad for her. They're probably detaining her just because of the geopolitical tensions with U.S. and, and Russia. Um, I think that's kind of adding to the, you know, why they're holding her and her appeal not being approved and all that. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, I feel bad for her, but you got to have situational awareness and know what you're getting yourself into when you travel to a place like Russia. The only thing that sucks is like, so I guess they got her on like trafficking um, drugs or whatever into the country, but it was like, like one little jewel pod of, uh, like THC, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, but it was like one little jewel pod. So like they basically threw the book at her <laughs> for that. Like give it basically saying it was like traffic. They, so, like, they so, like, no I get... zero tolerance, zero tolerance at all for any of that stuff. No, I know. But I'm just saying like mo- most of the time, I don't, I think they, like I read something where it was like, she pretty much got like one of the heaviest sentences for like that type of crime and especially for the amount of what she brought in there so i definitely think you're right in that it was a it was more of a political move and them hoping that they can make some sort of trade but um but yeah it's definitely definitely weird um david like what do you what do you think about the whole thing i definitely feel bad for her because it's like like dom said it was a this entire thing was nothing more than a geopolitical political stunt made by russia well i don't know if it was a stunt i I feel like you know if any of us travel there with a jewel pod of thc we'd probably get you know some jail time as well but But we wouldn't we wouldn't get nine years yeah i don't think nine years but but i don't think we're getting anything close to nine years it's just it's just because who she is and in the magnitude which yeah. yeah like they knew that she would get some news time, maybe, I don't know how much that they were thinking, but they knew that she would get some, like, news coverage out of it, and they probably thought that they would get some kind of, I don't know, offer or something. I I hate to phrase it that way, but... No, I mean, they, 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 they wanted a prisoner exchange, I mean... Or they just wanted to make a statement that too yeah it definitely definitely a crappy situation all around i mean i hope that that she can kind of get out of that situation i know that they were basically like holding her in like a lower risk um facility like in her own cell and stuff like that and now they're gonna after her appeal got denied they're basically putting it together so you know sooner sooner rather than later they're gonna try to move her to like a more max security type prison and put her in with like everybody else and stuff like that so 
I, I hope that they figure that out before that happens, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Definitely an interesting situation. We'll try to keep up on it. But like I said, I don't think we ever talked about it, so which was kind of weird, but um, I thought I'd throw that one in there. Mm. But to kind of stay into the, the basketball sphere here, that's kind of a common theme I got for this episode is um it's just because we're we're Cavs fans like how how excited are you guys right now with the Cavs being eight and one I think their only loss came that first game of the season to the Raptors obviously you know uh Garland went out with that eye injury so I think that kind of messed them up a little bit you know flow wise but Donovan Mitchell has been just well, I'm just talking about that first game when he went out. Like, oh, I think that's yeah. the, I think that's the main reason they lost that game. Like, if he was still in that game, I think they would have won that game. But yeah. Donovan Mitchell's been going off. He's averaging, you know, he's basically having the best season he's had ever. He's averaging like 31 points a game, 60 percent from the field. You have seven guys who are averaging double digits. You know, three guys who are averaging like six plus point six plus assists a game. Karis Levert's playing like he was before we traded for him last year. So, you know, how excited are you guys and and I guess what it what do you think the ceiling is for this team at this point? I think it's through the freaking roof. Um, granted, it is early, but early signs are right now really good. And this team is young. This team is excited. They they they're playing like they're playing like it's the last season ever, almost. Yeah, I mean, you have – yeah, no, I was going to say you have, like, basically a bona fide superstar in Donovan Mitchell. And, mm-hmm. like, Jared Allen and Darius Garland are – I would say Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are all-stars at this point. And, you know, Darius Garland is, is turning into, you know, a star, if not could be a superstar by the end of the season. So we probably have one of the better backcourts in the league. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a fun team. Yeah, I mean, I my expectations for this team were pretty high going into the season anyways. I figured they'd be like, you know, fifth or sixth in the East, but they are playing so much better than than I anticipated. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, he's been a perfect fit. I, he's exactly what this team was needing last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could just take the game over and just be a, a ruthless scorer. But his defense is a lot better than, you know, what was advertised. I think all around – He's he's having an amazing season, um, like you said, the best season of his career. And I think it's because he's playing on the best team that he's ever played on. When he was with Utah, it was just him and Rudy Gobert, and Rudy was just you know defense and rebounds, and Donovan Mitchell was doing all the scoring because he had to. Now he doesn't have to do all the scoring. He can facilitate. He can flow w- within the offense. I mean, he doesn't have to you know be the primary ball handler. He can defer to Garland, or Garland can defer to Donovan Mitchell. Or then Evan Mobley and Jared Allen can just take a game over. So I think the team fits perfectly together. There's definitely chemistry there. Um, yeah. Uh, too. Yeah. Dot, huh? Plus there's depth too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only are they a perfect fit on the court chemistry wise, but like you could tell like they genuinely get along on and off the court. Like it, it's one just to get along and, play well together on the court, but to actually, you know, have some sort of a, a bond outside of basketball. I think that that really 
helps the team. And I think the sky's the limit. I don't know if they'll contend for an NBA Finals this year, but definitely within the next two years. I, I think this is a team that could compete to make it to the Finals this year out of the East. I, mean, I think the only... Might. I think the only team that is going to stand in their way is going to be Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee's the the team to beat at this point. And that was the question that was going to kind of pose to you guys. Like them, obviously, when they brought in Donovan Mitchell, they sent Laurie Markkinen to Utah. And I kind of think that that hurt them a little bit in beating Giannis in the Bucks, just because they, I think when you run that big lineup of like Markkinen, Mobley, and Allen, I think that you have a good chance of slowing down the Bucks, especially slowing down Giannis coming in into the paint a lot. But, you know, do you think that they need to make a trade for a more steady guy who plays the three? Or do you think they can just keep rotating the guys in and not? Because I know Karis LeVert's been playing the three. You have, um, oh, uh, what, like Dean Wade. Um, then there's Chetty as well. Yeah, Chetty and then uh, Okoro has been playing. So they've, they've been just kind of rotating like four or five guys in and out of that three spot, or do you think they need to make a trade and try to find somebody who can permanently play that spot and be more of that lockdown wing defender who can stop guys like Jason Tatum, um, Giannis, you know, just those guys, DeMar DeRozan, those guys that you're going to see deeper in the playoffs in the East. If Okoro can get out of the slump that he's been on to start the season, I think he, he was in the original plans to be that, um, the starting small forward and to have that job locked up, but he's not really played that well. So they've had to rotate. Um, I mean, obviously what they're doing right now is working. So I think they could keep it up. You have the depth to do it. Um, but I think it would really benefit the team if they can get Isaac Okoro to just be the Isaac Okoro that we know he could be. We know when he's focused, he can be one of the better defenders in the league. His offensive game was always a question mark, but uh, towards the end of the season, he was really hitting three-pointers at a, at a pretty high rate. I think he was damn near 50% uh, from the three-point line. So if he can get you know his offensive game back on track, I think that will help his confidence. It will help his defensive confidence as well. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest thing right now. I don't think necessarily they need to bring anyone in now, but let's wait and see. It. And if Okoro can figure things out, you keep him and you roll with him at the three. Or and if he can't, you make a deal, and Okoro will probably be gone. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like they need I, – I like the – I don't know if you call it a smaller lineup, but I like the smaller lineup where you go with, you know, um, Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. Like, I like that lineup, you know, for the regular season and against most teams, but once you play – Giannis in that conference finals, which I do think that's probably going to be our conference finals at the end of the season. You're going to need a bigger lineup to to match that. Um, I don't know. So we'll see. But David, you got anything else on the Cavs? I think that... I think that as long as something's not broken, don't fix it. If it's working... Let it work pretty much until it can't work consistently. Yeah. And it's like, yes, you want Isaac Accord to do well. Yes, get his confidence up. Make sure he gets his shots down. 
And keep in mind, Isaac Okoro is still very young. Yeah. He's, what, a year or two older than uh, Darius Garland? Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of room, I don't want to say for error, but you could definitely grow from where he's at. Right. And, like, you don't want to meddle with the team just to, you know, meddle with the team and think and, and overthink things and think that you need to make moves when really I, I don't see any proof that you need to make a move for yeah. a small forward. You know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to run the risk of meddling too much with the chemistry of the team. And, you know, that, that can really throw things off. Mm-hmm. So I think that it can work if they can design it for the Bucks in the Western Conference, or not Western Conference, Eastern Conference Finals. But yeah, they, and, you know, they need to at this, do their own thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think this team can match up well with the Bucks. I mean, you can you can easily put Evan Mobley on Giannis. Because, I mean, Giannis is seven foot. Isaac Okoro is not going not gonna to guard him. No. You, that, that you have, that's what you have Evan Mobley for. Yeah, and you have Jared Allen, who is better than any center that, that the Bucks have. And I, I like um, Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland against their backcourt. Mm-hmm. Well, so I mean, it, even even, even I, I would even take Karis LeVert over, you know, at least what? Because they have... Um, they have Middleton, but Middleton. he's injured right now. Yeah, but I mean, Karis LeVert's playing like super well right now. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's... So, I mean... I, if if Mobley can slow down Giannis and and Mobley's an elite defender too, so yeah. if he can slow Giannis down, then yeah, the the Cavs can easily, you know, at least take the Bucks to seven games. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, this it's a long season. We're we're within the first ten games right now, so I think a lot of things are <laughs> are a little bit different than what everybody kind of thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season, but. You know, kind of speaking on that, I don't know if you guys have ever like so there yeah, I know um what was it when we did like the um division, like what we would do with each of our teams when we picked NFL teams earlier mm-hmm. offseason, stuff like that. I was messing with like the the NBA trade machine version of that when we were doing that with the NFL one, but I was doing that with NBA ones. And I so I was like messing around with that and I put together like a crazy 16 trade that like works. 16 trade yeah so it 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 works on paper is it is it realistic 100% probably not is it going to happen probably not but I just want to get your guys' thoughts on on this and see like how you liked it <laughs> so well, Oh, 63. We're going to need like a flow chart or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dom's, Dom's already stressed. Do you guys want to get a piece of paper out and write it down? Fuck. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know we were taking notes today. I know, right? Welcome. All right. Welcome to uh, welcome, welcome to class, to guys. This is uh, this is trade trade talks with Nick. No. So we're going to do trade talks versus. Uh, story time with David. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Trade talks with Nick. So here's here here is the six teams. Okay. Team number right. one, the Pacers, and then team number two, 
is the Spurs. Team number three is the Wizards. Team number four is the Knicks. Team number five is the Lakers. Let me guess LeBron's involved in this. No. And team number uh, six is the Warriors. All right. In this trade, the Pacers would get Russell Westbrook. Never going to happen. What? Never going to happen. Kendrick Nunn. The... 2026 and 2028 first round picks from the Lakers and then the Lakers 2028 second round pick. So Westbrook, Kendrick, and what were the draft picks? 2026, 2028 first round from the Lakers and then the 2028 second round from the Lakers. I already don't understand why the Pacers would make a trade for Russell Westbrook. I don't They're understand. Not. They're not. They're just taking on the caps so they and can get the picks. Yeah, it's just a salary dump so they can get the picks. Because this 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 was a trade that was already pretty much discussed in the offseason. I'm just going along with it. All right, now for the Spurs. So the Spurs are going to get Thomas Bryant from the Lakers. And then Max Christie from the Lakers. And then here, here's a fun one that you guys are going to love. They're also going to get Draymond Green from the Warriors. This is like another, that's another salary dump one. And then the Spurs get a 2023 second round pick from the Lakers, which is originally from Chicago, if you guys wanted to write that down. But I don't have room for a second, you said? I hope you know that I don't have, I couldn't find a notebook, so I'm writing on the back of an envelope. Okay, so I don't have much room to write down where the original picks were from. Okay, that's fine. Um, and then they're going to get a 2025 and a 2026 second-round pick from Golden State. So 25 and 26 second round? Mm-hmm. All right, and then the Wizards are going to get D-Rose. Okay, hold on. So 23 was from the Lakers, you said? Yeah. Lakers, originally Chicago. but And then the Wizards are going to get D-Rose. Evan Fournier. And then they're going to get two... 2023 first round draft picks from New York. One being one being Washington's own pick that they're getting back. And then they're getting two 2024 second round picks from New York. 2024 second. Mm-hmm. What are they get? What are they giving up to get two firsts and two seconds? And then they're going to get a 2025 first round draft pick from New York. 
Are they selling the team to the Knicks? What are, what are they doing to get all these draft picks? They don't have much to trade. You'll see. <laughs> you said a 2025 first? Yeah. So in all, again, the Wizards are getting D. Rose, Evan Fournier, uh, two 2023 first-round draft picks, 2025 first-round draft pick, and two 2024 second-round draft picks, all from New York. Now they're like from original, like other teams other than New York originally, but I won't say that because that's just a lot. No, it's already a lot. It's already a lot. <laughs> All right, and then the so the the big one here, which is gonna, <laughs> you guys are gonna flip flip out on this one. So you want to know what New York's gonna get after giving up all that stuff? A lot of crazy shit. Yeah. So here I'll, I'll give I'll give you the picks first before I get the players. So New York is getting a 2023 second round pick from LA. And then a 2026 first round pick from Golden State. 2026? Yep. Uh, first. Oh, first. Yeah, from Golden State. And then they are getting Bradley Beal from the Wizards. And Anthony Davis from the Lakers. Anthony Day to Day Davis? Yep. Why? It'll make sense. Because <laughs> he's day-to-day Davis. <laughs> so they're giving up they're giving up a lot of stuff for day-to-day Davis. Really, really mostly they gave all that up for Bradley Beal because the Wizards aren't just gonna let Bradley Beal walk for nothing. But day-to-day Davis got a big ass salary. <laughs> so does Beal. So, so does Beal. Um, and then the what I have the Lakers next, yeah. All right, the uh Lakers are gonna get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner from the Pacers. Is it Buddy Heald? Mm hmm. And Miles Turner from the Pacers. And then they're going to get Jakob Pertle from the Spurs. Jakob Pertle? Yeah, Jakob Pertle. Potle. Jakob Potle, sorry. P-O-E-L-T-L, I think. <laughs> and then they're going to get R.J. Barrett from the Knicks. And then those two came from New York? Uh, no, Jakob Pertl came from the Spurs. Hi. And then, and then the Warriors get Julius Randle. That's it. That's out of all all the draft picks and all the players that have traded hands. <laughs> I mean, listen, they they basically upgraded Draymond Green, and then they don't have Draymond Green, who's punching Jordan Poole in the face. So they got rid of that cancer in the locker room. And I think Julius Randle is a better player than Draymond Green at this point. Well, yeah. So, so basically, basically, I'm not. I don't care about the Spurs, the Wizards, or the Pacers because they're in rebuild mode at this point. But the new starting five for the Lakers would be Heald, Barrett, LeBron, Miles Turner, Jakob Podol. Um, The Knicks' new starting five would be Brunson, Beal, Reddish, Davis, and Robinson. 
And then the Warriors' new starting five would be Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Randall, and Looney. Question. Who are they getting from the Spurs? Because as you have it, they're giving up a they're giving, yeah, they're giving up a twenty round pick. They basically they basically gave them two second round picks to dump Draymond Green salary on the Spurs. But then who do they get in return? Because the as far as I know, they're getting Julius Randle from the Knicks. Yeah, it's just the trade. Jakob Pertle goes from the Spurs to the Lakers. You don't have to. You don't have to have a one for one in each of these. It's a sixteen yeah, deal, yeah. which means there's basically a bunch of players went into the pot, and then they just went in different places. A bunch of players and picks. I guess my biggest, the biggest, the biggest one that makes it unrealistic is the R.J. Barrett thing. I know that. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's my biggest problem with it. If I'm the Knicks, why am I trading the guy that's supposed to be and could be the the face of the so, franchise years? So here, for Anthony Davis Davis. Who okay? If this was five years ago, absolutely go get Anthony Davis. He hasn't played a full season in three four, years. Four years, three here, years. Here, Bradley Beal is great, but yeah, here's, right now, here's here, here's my right now. Beal is better. I don't think Beal is going to be better long term. So yes, I know, but here's giving here, up here's, for here. But, here is my justification behind this, right? So first, the Knicks historically trade for big names because they want to put butts in seats. That's the first thing they care about. They They don't twenty five years. They yeah exactly. But that's 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 they don't care about the future. They care about the now. They want to sell tickets now, and in there and I think realistically, if you put Bradley Beal, Anthony Davis, and Jalen Brunson on the same team, that's a big three that could potentially win some games I think in their minds that's that's why I think they make that deal plus I sent Anthony Davis in a pick to the Knicks for RJ Barrett so it's not just like it was a one for one I don't know like I said definitely an unrealistic trade if you guys are listening at home let me know what you think it was it was originally just going to be a five-team deal but then I don't like that's any better yeah, well, but then I was like, well, I'm going to throw the Wizards in there just to see <laughs> what I could you do with that. You had a lot of free time that day, didn't you? It was just today, so I, I didn't like it. I was messing with it for like an hour. It was It's a pretty, like, they're pretty fun little things. So if you guys have fun getting on there and like playing with a little trade machine or whatever, it's definitely interesting. Like all, so basically all these trades though would have to happen after that like December 15th deadline because of like the recently signed players. So you'd have to wait till December 15th. And obviously a lot of things could change then like injuries or maybe teams are doing better or worse than what they might. You know what I mean? But like, obviously I, I traded away Anthony Davis from the Lakers. I think the Lakers should reset anyway. And I think they need to surround LeBron with better shooting. So by adding healed, by adding miles Turner, um, you add better three point shooting around him. Um, with the depth that they already have. And then you don't really lose much big man-wise because you're going to have three big men that can pretty much give you the production, if not a little bit more than what Anthony Davis was, especially since he's injured all the time. And then you get a guy like R.J. Barrett who you could build around for the future. So it's not a bad deal. Plus, R.J. Barrett can help you win now. So 
and like I said, the Warriors pretty much upgrade and the Knicks they get their they get their two big names that they that they can basically sell sell tickets around in Bradley Beal and Anthony Davis. I don't know. <laughs> I know it's confusing or whatever, but I mean, do you guys I know, I know, like the RJ Barrett one's a little bit unrealistic, but outside of that, like, what do you guys think about the rest of it? I think it would be smoking something for that to even work, but no, I mean, yeah, a, a two I mean, trade is hard to do, you know. The Pacers getting two first and dumping Westbrook. I guess makes makes sense for the Pacers. Uh, I mean, I don't think the Pacers have a bad team, but I mean, getting more picks wouldn't hurt them. And besides, yeah. Russell Westbrook's only a one year thing, anyways. So well, they, 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 they would just cut him. They would just do the trade for the picks and get, and get the salaries to match it. That they would buy him out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, out, of, out of all of this, I think this makes the most sense for the Pacers. And the, the Wizards, the, the Wizards get a lot of picks too. It might it, it might be it might be too many picks. Huh? It makes sense for the teams rebuilding, not so much for the teams buying. Yeah, I mean it's a lot. The 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 picks that I gave from New York to the Wizards is probably too many, but I just kind of I figured that they would sit there and look at Bradley Beal and be like, Yeah, we're not giving up giving them up for anything less than three firsts. And and I figured with New York. New York would keep their own first round pick for 2023, but they could give up because they have Washington's first round pick for 2023 and Detroit's first round pick for 2023. So, I mean, I guess my biggest thing with it, the teams that you have as the buyers, you know, the, the Knicks, the Lakers, the only team that's really in position to win now is the Warriors out of all of these teams. But the the Warriors, the Warriors started crappy, just like the Lakers. So if you, yeah, but I, if I have you, more faith in the, in the Warriors figuring things out with with Steph and Clay than thirty uh, eight year old LeBron James, Anthony Day to Day Davis, and Kendrick Nunn. Like who that's, else is on? But the- that's but that's that's why I think they have to shake it up. The Lakers do. I think they have to get rid of Westbrook. I think. I think. I think that Anthony Davis should be on the move somewhere else, and hopefully he stays healthy and continues to produce the way that he is, so that you can get good value out of him. You I don't think I mean? you're gonna any value out of him. And we've and we've seen LeBron if you if you surround him with enough enough really good like role players, he he could drag a team to the finals. So now like you said he's 38, can he still do it? But I mean, he's averaging like 27 points a game right now. So they're also shooting it below 30%. So just cuz he's averaging 27 a game doesn't mean shit. When you when you as a team are averaging twenty or like twenty seven percent from the field and you're what two and nine? Well, I think it's twenty seven percent from three. To be fair, not from the oh, field. Okay, so but that's still bad. But that's that's what I'm saying. You you bring you bring in Buddy Heald, who's a forty percent shooter. You bring in Miles Turner, even though he's a big man, he's he's like a thirty thirty five plus percent shooter from three. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Like I said, I was having fun with it. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So, but uh, we'll go ahead and one of the, like the last topics I had um, for this episode was just about the World Series. I don't know if you guys watched any of it. Obviously, you guys are big baseball fans, but I don't know if you guys watched the, the World Series. I know that 
I don't think any of us are too happy with the Astros winning the World Series, but they did it. I guess my thing, too, is like, so they had the cheating scandal, but like nothing really happened because they've still been good for the past, what, it's been almost five, four or five years since it happened. So, like, they've still been good and competitive pretty much that whole time, and then they just won a World Series again. So, like... And they've been to a, a few after that. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just... It, I don't know. Are we are we sleeping on the Astros organization being good? <laughs> or do we think they're still cheating? <laughs> I don't know. I, think, I mean, for me, it's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, you have to have good players to even get to the World Series, let alone win. And they've been consistently winning for years now. I just have no respect for the organization. <laughs> you know, are, are they still cheating? I don't know. There, there's no proof right now that they have been. Um, but, I mean, you still have Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and Lance McCullers and um, Justin Verlander that were on the team, you know, while the cheating scandal was going on. So, you know, while those guys are still there, God, no faith for them in the organization. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it's more of people just still having a sour taste mm-hmm. in what happened in 2017 and how it happened. I think, <laughs> I think that a lot of people have a lot more respect now than they did back then, but they still have a sour taste. However, I think that people would much rather see a Houston Astros team win the World Series versus those damn Yankees in New York. No, I Usually I agree with you, David, because I, I grew up hating the Yankees, and I still don't really like the Yankees, don't get me wrong. But after the cheating scandal, I, I shifted all of my, hate, my hatred in baseball from the Yankees <laughs> to the Astros. Now, the Yankees can go on another dynasty as long as they knock out those fucking Astros. I don't give a shit. Win as, win as many World Series as you possibly can. As, as long as, you know, you make the Astros cry and you make their fans cry, that's all I care about. <laughs> I, I hate those Astros. Let me let me ask you this, though, about baseball. I mean, I know we were talking about the World Series, not to pivot from that, but why I, – I guess, I guess why is it that we're not seeing these, like, big market teams dominate the same way that we, I guess, used to in like the nineties and early two thousands, like, you know, the Yankees and the Dodgers and like the Red Sox. I know this year they weren't that great, but you know, in the past we've seen like these big market teams, like they have like the highest payrolls and they just, they can't put together dynasties like they used to. And instead we see a lot more of these like small market teams um, being more success, more successful, you know, beating them in the playoffs. Like we saw the Guardians, you know, take the the Yankees pretty much all the way, but five games. And I think we kind of talked. Oh, about yeah, that, that was a game five elimination game. Yeah, so we talked about that being maybe the contributing factor to the Yankees, you know, losing because the Guardians took a lot out of them um, in that series. But you know. I, like how how come we just don't see the the dynasties like we used to from these big market teams? I actually do have a theory on that, and it so the AL and NL centrals 
weren't created until 1994. And so every team was divvied up into NAL West and NAL East. So pretty much every single like small market team that we see oftentimes had to compete with these large market teams. And so these large market teams were always winning the AL East and West and NL East and West that there was really no point in going to these small market teams. Then in 1994, when they created the AL and NL centrals and these teams were going to the playoffs, then it pretty much gave them a reason to at least consider it, maybe not actually go to them, but at least consider it. Yes. Is the AL central and possibly the NL central, the weakest divisions in all of baseball. Yes, they are. But I also think that they're the most influential since they were created because they're going into these playoff series and potentially screwing over these large market teams. I think giving them a reason to, but I mean, let's not act like Philly and Houston aren't big markets. I mean, Philly's like the 10th biggest city in the country and Houston's, I think third or fourth or yeah, I think they're fourth biggest in the country. So, I mean, they're, they're still big market teams and they have payrolls, you know, well over hundred and 150 million bucks. But I think you have a lot of talent spread out more. It's not just concentrated in LA and New York. I mean, yeah, they have the biggest payrolls, they have the biggest stars, but I think the game in general, like the players have gotten better. So you see a lot of young players coming through these smaller market teams. That's what's getting paid the big bucks by the smaller market teams, but developing and becoming good players where those teams are able to stay competitive, you know, for, you know, a short amount of time, then they have to rebuild. But I think it's just harder to have a dynasty in baseball because, you know, talent's a little bit more spread out, but also trying to beat a team four times in seven games in a, you know, ALCS or in a world series, that's, that's pretty difficult to do. Plus the season's so long there, you know, there's a lot of variables with injury and hot and cold streaks. So it, you know, you got to be lucky just to win a world series once, let alone have a dynasty because there, there's just so many factors that have to fall into your favor. It's, it's really a good mix of skill and obviously a lot of luck that goes into it as well. Well, I think like, so, I mean, look, I at would... the, look at the Dodgers this year. They had the highest payroll ever in baseball history. They had one of the greatest regular seasons of all time. And then they just went up against uh, a Padres team that got hot at the right time. And the Dodgers, unfortunately for them, went out of their bats, just forgot how to hit for that, for that series. And yeah, but to be fair, San Diego is more of a, it it should be traded more of a, as, as a bigger market team because San Diego is a bigger city. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, like, but historically they haven't really been a big spending organization. Up no, until yeah, recently. yeah, I get what you're saying. But I mean, they 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 made they've made some big splashes in in free agency and in you know the trade deadline the past two or three seasons. So, yeah, it's not it's not a surprise that San Diego because we we talked about San Diego you know last year and even the beginning of this year and being a team that should be competing for a world a World Series. But it I, would I think, have been if they had um, Fernando Tatis. 
Yeah. I think for me, the big thing, the big thing that, that helps these smaller market teams and I'll go back to, to our team that's here in Cleveland is I think a lot of teams, you know, have seen how Cleveland has done it, or I don't know who did it first, but I just know that Cleveland over the past, as long as I can remember, they've, they've always had a really good farm system. And like Dom was saying, when they have a guy that they develop through that farm system and they get up and then they play sometimes instead of paying them, they'll just, they'll trade them to another team who's like trying to win right now, like the Yankees or the Red Sox or so on and so on, who have the money to pay that person and, you know, 10 other players as well. And they'll get a bunch of prospects back in return and they know they're going to get good prospects back in return and they know that they're going to be able to develop them well. So that goes into that point of like, Hey, if we can, if we can get that system right, then it doesn't matter because we're just going to keep churning out prospects and we're going to keep putting, you know, good players on the field every year, even if we lose a couple every other year because we just don't, we can't pay them or we don't want to pay them. And, but we're going to get a tremendous amount back in return. And I think that's a system that a lot of these teams that we've seen, they do that. And that's why, like, you know, Cleveland's been so successful for the past like 10 years and been competitive, even though they don't spend a ton of money, but yeah, I don't know just an interesting question. Cause I, like I said, I, I think that like, yes, the grueling season is long, but it's, it's pretty much always been long. Like in the, the playoffs have been what they've been for a while now. And we've well, still... they, they expanded the playoffs in 2013. They, we got the wild card game and now it's a wild card series. So it's a little longer. I will give you that it's a little bit longer, but still, I just, I think if you, if you have a collection of that good of players on your team, like the Yankees do or the Dodgers do, there's no reason that it shouldn't be a Yankees Dodgers world series almost every single season. You know what I mean? Like that's like, if you're going to spend that kind of money and you're going to have the caliber of players that you're supposed to have at, at each position, almost like, like you, you could look at the Dodgers and you, they probably have a, a top 20 guy at each position almost, you know what I mean? So like, there's no reason that they shouldn't be winning a world series almost every single year. So that's just, it was just a weird thing that I was thinking about the other day of like, why, why, why was it Houston and Philly instead of, you know, some of these other teams, but like you even look at Chicago, they had that collection of talent that just never could get it done. And you're like, it's so weird. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the White Sox were a big disappointment. I, I mean, there's, in my opinion, the culture in the clubhouse with that's you know set by the manager plays a big role into it. But mm-hmm. again, you know, you look at Philly; they were a team that around the trade deadline was below 500. Around 500, they got hot in the you know September and and end of the season, and you they got you know white hot in the in the playoffs and were. Their, their offense was just unstoppable. Um, so they they just got hot at the right time. And then uh, Houston was arguably the best team in baseball, you know, at least the best team in the American League pretty much all season long. So it it's not like they were, you know, a, a bad team that got hot and ended up getting lucky and winning the World Series. Houston this year was just consistently amazing. Um, and the Yankees, I, I think they were a flawed team to begin with because their whole offense was dedicated around Aaron Judge. You know, as as Aaron Judge went, so the Yankees went. When he was hot in the beginning of the season, 
they looked like they were unstoppable and going to win almost every game. Then he slumped into, you know, July, August, and everyone thought the world was falling in because the Yankees, you know, started losing a lot of games. And then he got hot again at the end of the season and, and their offense looked like it was back to normal. Their, their pitching really wasn't that good outside of um, Nestor Cortez and a couple arms in that bullpen or really just one arm of that bullpen. They, they are, they, no, yeah, they had Garrett, Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez as the only two reliable starters in, in their starting rotation. And then um, they had a couple of injuries in that bullpen earlier in the season, and they just weren't able to really recover from it. So I think they were a flawed team, but Aaron Judge had such an amazing season where it kind of covered up a lot of that stuff. Um but when Aaron, when playoff Aaron Judge rolls around and he strikes out, you know, eighty percent of his at bats, you're really not going to win that many games. Yeah, because you have your best pitchers out there, and when you have a guy who's literally only swinging to hit home runs, like it's not a recipe for success. We've talked about it in the past. Like you have to be a contact hitter first, and then and then you can go out there and and you, you can have that home run power in your arsenal, but. If you're just if you're just a home run guy, then then there's ways to to pitch around that. So I don't know. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Let's Talk Sports. My name is Nick. I was joined by Dom and David today, and uh, we'll catch you in the next one, guys. Thank you for listening to another Deep Dive Sports Show. Make sure to follow Deep Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow our YouTube channel for more amazing content. Lastly, make sure you leave us a comment. We love hearing what you have to say. And as always, until next time, Deep Dive Sports listeners.